Welcome to Sometimes Dead is Better, and it's me, Kristen. And me, Chris. And we are a podcast where we talk about a horror movie, and then we'll tie a true crime to it in a little bit next week. <laughs> <laughs> and I want to apologize in advance. Uh, my voice is, uh, it'll probably go in and out throughout this episode, which we assume will be two and a half hours, given the length of this movie. <laughs> uh, so I am sick, like... 85% of the episodes. Yeah, but you don't end up sounding like Kathleen Turner. <laughs> <laughs> There's nothing wrong with that. <laughs> well, that'd be kind of hot. Yes. Um, All right, cool. so this is a big episode. We're finally getting around to doing the sequel. Is that what you call it? <laughs> I mean, it's a sequel, but I yeah. mean, it's not. A, I mean, we'll talk about you know whether it's a true sequel or not, but but we have been talking that we will do this movie. We, we already did The Shining. Yes. Uh, again, our now classic Shining episode with um, special guest Julie. But yeah, so we're um, this movie came out, I guess, last fall, um, and it's now on streaming and DVD, so it's pretty easy to watch. I watched it on Amazon. I rented it on Amazon, and then we rented it again from Redbox. Oh, that's not true at all. I ordered it from Amazon, the director's cut. <laughs> oh, gosh, because it needed to be longer. Yeah, well, it has all versions, but the it, the director's cut, uh, we'll talk about that too, but uh, it's been talked up a lot on the Twitter this week, so I was curious about it. All right, well, so before we get into Dr. Sleep, right. what have you been watching? So uh, this week I watched on Hulu, have you seen the new High Fidelity show? I have seen the picture okay. of Lisa Bonet's daughter. Zoe Kravitz. Well, I thought that was cool because Zoe Kravitz was in the original High Fidelity movie. Well, Lisa Bonet was, yeah. Right. I'm sorry. Now I'm mixing their names yeah, up. Yeah, it's super confusing because they look kind of identical. They look so much alike. Yeah, and that, that, that confused me too. But uh, it is so good. Oh, good. Uh, I mean, I'm a huge fan of the movie and I read the book, but um, this is just as good, I think, as the movie. Uh, Zoe Kravitz is fantastic. Um, if you don't know, it's basically it's based on the Nick Hornby book from 1990-something, mm-hmm. which became the John Cusack movie from, I think, 2000, mm-hmm. which became a play at some point. So it's been and, rebooted a few times. Yeah, High Fidelity was a big catalyst movie for Jack Black. Right, right, right. That's that's what got his start. So it's about, you know, and well, in the original version, it's a guy that works in a record store, and he's going through his past relationships, and right. it's all about music and you know, being a music nerd and kind of being an ass, uh, and it, it's a great, funny movie. Well, so in this version, they've they've ginger switched it, so it's Zoe Kravitz playing Rob, short for Robin, the John Cusack character from the original movie. See, there goes my voice. <laughs> uh, and she's so good in it. Oh, that's great. I mean, she's good in everything, but this is the first time I've seen her like as a lead. I guess. Yeah. Maybe not. I don't know. Well, I mean, she's in Big Little Lies, but that's a lot of star right. power. That's a lot. Yeah. Looks well, she like... is like effortlessly cool in this movie, but at the same time, like she, I identify with her, even though I have nothing in common with Zoe Kravitz. But you know, you know, she's just that character. You know, she's neurotic but not annoying, and um, she's funny, and it just really works. It almost works better being. A female for some reason i'm not sure why hmm. um it just it just does so she you know goes through the, her five top five lost loves mm-hmm. and, i mean the plot's very similar 
It's just, you know, more of it. So instead of the Jack Black character, you have another gender flip. Um, there's a girl named Cherise, played by, I think it's Devine, or I guess Divine Joy Randolph. Mm-hmm. And she is hilarious. I mean, she has that same Jack Black energy, uh-huh. except female, African-American, slightly twisted, but basically otherwise the same character. Uh, and then the sort of nerdy music guy is kind of the same, but I guess this, well, he's gay in this one, so that's kind of cool. Um, anyway, it's a great show. I mean, there's 10 episodes for like 30 minutes each. Um, it's, you know, I, I watched it like in two days. And well, that's awesome. The music that's good is to awesome. Hear. They didn't skimp on the music rights. There's a lot of, you know, big bands they play. Oh, that's awesome. And they even use a lot of the same exact dialogue from the original movie, you know, callbacks. It's, it's, it's fantastic. I love it. It's so good. That's awesome. So, what have you been watching? Well, besides The Amazing Race, which, you know, our right. family watches constantly, right. which watch. I will be on. We watched it at some point. I think you do great at that. I I want it so bad. I really do. My dad and I are going to audition. I just hope they they don't stop making them. But anyway, but what I wanted to talk about watching is because it kind of uh, ties into Doctor Sleep. My second favorite movie of all time is Moulin Rouge, starring Ewan McGregor. Yeah, I actually watched that like just a few weeks really? ago. Really? Because I think it's on HBO streaming. So. Well, I went and saw it at the Plaza, which is this cool old movie theater down in Atlanta. Oh, that's awesome. And it was put on by Wussy Mag. And they do they do a lot of, um, they do comedy shows too. And then they also do movie showings. So this this year they're doing, they did just did Moulin Rouge. They're doing um, Pink Flamingos. And it's super fun. They're doing Clueless. So what, I mean, when you say they put it on, what, they show the movie and then they what? Well, before the movie, they do a drag show. Okay. Dressed as the characters. Cool. Um, so that was really fun. <clears throat> Then they have a costume contest, so anyone that has come dressed up gets to go up. There are some amazing costumes. I was blown away. So that was super fun. And then we all get to watch the movie together, but you're allowed to sing along and clap and get excited. And so it was so much fun. So I saw Moulin Rouge five times in the movie theater as a teenager. Oh, I didn't know that. Yes. It, I made everybody I know go and see it. But so I was so excited to go see it and to be able to be in a room where everybody else loves it. Everybody else is singing along, get to boo at the Duke, you know. Yeah, That's, and, yeah I guess it's kind of Rocky Horror type, you know, vibe, right? Yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, I, I hadn't seen it in several years before I watched it, you know, you know, a few weeks ago. And I forgot how just fun that movie is. It's just very clever and beautiful. And I still love all the songs so much. Yeah. There's a new, relatively new um I don't know what it's called. It's like actor on actor thing where it was Hugh McGregor and Nicole Kidman. Oh. They just interview each other and they pretty much talk about Moulin Rouge all the time. You oh know, my how, gosh. How much fun that was. Apparently they spent like a year training or even just to, to start it or something. Wow. Something crazy like that. And um, apparently it was quite the ordeal, but but they're still best friends. She's so perfect looking in that movie. And she's yeah. so great in she's the movie. She's so funny in it. That's why I forgot. She's so funny. Yeah. She was nominated for an Oscar. Ewan was oh, not. she was? Mm-hmm. You know, his singing in that movie is uh, energetic. I love it. <laughs> Do you, I can't ever decide. I, when I he, love when it. he sings your song, yeah. oh. I love it. I just can't decide, like, is this good? <laughs> I, I, can't, I can't figure it out. Um, it doesn't matter. It, does, it doesn't matter. You're right. It's a perfect movie. But also, like, I love um, the new musicals coming out. I love I loved La La Land. I love The Greatest Showman. At least loves them, too. You know, we both share our love of musicals. We were watching The Greatest Showman, and there's a scene where Hugh Jackman and Michelle Williams dance on top of the roof. Yeah. And I turned off the movie, and I put on Moulin Rouge, and I said, Lise, look, 
this scene would not have existed without Moulin Rouge happening first. And so I showed her the whole scene where they're dancing the rooftop and they dance off into the clouds, you know. And I made her, I gave her a little, a little film theory class right there, and she just said, "Can we turn the movie back Aww. on?" But she was, I mean, she puts up with me, so she would probably like Moulin Rouge. Well, I guess it's she a little, can't. It's a little too yeah, sexual. It's pretty much all about sex. So. Yeah. Well, so what are we drinking? Well, this is, uh, again, this shouldn't be a, a surprise. Although, on the way here, I was thinking about, what can we drink? <laughs> and I was thinking about things with the hats and uh, all kinds of stuff. Well, you also said, um, we could just do cocaine. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> what are you drinking? Yeah, well, here's this. <laughs> yeah, he's got to give us a demo. We have it on in the background, um, which is a new thing I guess we should do. Yeah, I like it. Uh, so, yeah, we're drinking uh, Jack Daniels. In our Shining episode, we drank a bourbon. Because did, there yeah. is a bit of a mistake in The Shining where Jack Torrance asks for a bourbon and he's given Jack Daniels, which is a whiskey. Right. So, so when, when uh, Julie was on, and I think we talked about this yeah. off air, <laughs> that we, even, we were even confused then. She was asking, why are we drinking bourbon? It's supposed to be Jack Daniels. I said, well, no, 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 no. He orders a bourbon. But it's given Jack. Yeah. Well, in we're this having movie, it he, it is, he actually is drinking Jack yes. in the movie. So cheers. Cheers. Um, I guess, should we decide if we do a drinking game or... How about we'll just call each other on obvious things that you should drink on? Okay. We know this is directed by Mike Flanagan. Mike Flanagan. Who we love. Right. Who I have watched Haunting of Hill House three times. I love the whole series. He uses a lot of the same actors, I've noticed. The screenplay adapted by him, too? Yeah, he wrote the screenplay, too. He also edited it. (laughs) What? Yeah, he's the editor. (laughs) Take a break, Mike. Yeah. He's like, this thing will be three hours long or nothing. (laughs) Um, yeah, so yeah, we're we like Mike Flanagan. Uh, I guess um, I uh, listened to a podcast between him and uh, Mick Garris, who actually directed the miniseries of The Shining. Oh, okay. And of course, directed the miniseries of The Stand. And he's done a bunch oh, of, that's what we gotta do. Yeah, I know. Uh, he's done a bunch of uh, kind of other horror movies too. So he has a podcast called. Um, well, it's the Mick Garrett podcast. Oh, it's called Postmortem, and it's usually him oh. uh, interviewing usually a horror director. There's a really good one, Ari Oster, which oh, I love. Awesome. It was done before Midsummer, and I think he even talked about it a little bit about his next project. So I want to listen to it again to see what he said. But he he interviewed Mike Flanagan like the weekend this came out. And half of it was them talking about how sad he was because it you know bombed in the box office. Did it? Well, it bombed. It's a loo- it didn't do very well. Like it mm-hmm. did okay, but it wasn't like you know a hit. I don't, I don't think he even opened up. It may have been number one, but it didn't like make a lot of money. Yeah. Uh, so he was just talking about that, but he said that like you know it was it was a little bit hard for him to get the rights to it. But Stephen King, uh, they had a long conversation about what he was going to do with it, and uh, he had to like kind of own up and fess up that look. You know, when I do this movie, um, so it will be definitely at least as much equally as sequels to the movie The Shining, which I know you hate, right. as it is the book. And he said Stephen King was you know, very resistant, you know, about that. Um, but he, at the end of the day, he trusted him because he had really liked uh, his movies. Mm-hmm. He loved Gerald's Game. Right. And then um, we'll talk about it later. But once Mike Flanagan explained uh, the sort of the bar scene between him and his dad, mm-hmm. which doesn't take place in the book. Okay. Um, that was my favorite scene. Yeah. And Stephen King kind of thought about that scene for a while, and he was like, "Okay, that's." That's really good. I can kind of deal with that. And then at the end of it, he uh, it th- this movie made him feel better about the original version. Um, really? Yeah. 
or he says. So like, like a cathartic experience for him. That's amazing. Yeah. So um, it's a really interesting uh, podcast. It's, it's called Postmortem. Uh, if you want to hear Mike Flanagan's full thoughts on the experience of making the movie, and it's pretty cool. And, and he, uh, so anyway, that's um, the other thing was that uh, he talked about was how terrifying it was to make this movie. I mean, he wanted to do it because he, I guess he was a fan of the book, but he fully recognized he's making a sequel, if that's the right word, to right. the most iconic horror movie or one of the most iconic horror movies of all time that's the most closely protected. Well, do you think he kind of played it safe? By using the same images, and I mean, it kind of reminded me of what you're talking about was the new Star Wars that you didn't like, and then they just kind of put all this. Hey, you guys like this? Do you kind of feel like he kind of was a leaning on that a little too much? I hey, think, you guys like the carpet? And remember the scene with the guy with Danny riding the tricycle? Let's do that again. I didn't think about it that way. That's interesting. I think thought the opposite. Because, oh, I thought know, it was a little too safe. Interesting. No, I mean... Hey, I can, remember the Grady twins? Here they are again. They want to play with Danny. I, yeah, I think towards the end when they do that. Okay. Yeah, I, yeah, for sure. I thought that the stuff in the hotel at the end, it, that worked the least for me. But him doing it at all, if that makes sense, I thought it was very... Like, took a lot of balls, put it that way. Like, because he was... You were opening yourself up to so much scrutiny. Yeah. But even trying to repeat this imagery. Yeah. Which the first time I saw in theater, I'm like, oh, no. Like, you know, <laughs> I just thought... It felt very like a like a copy of a copy of a copy of something. Right. But the, the more I watch it, I've seen it maybe three times now. Like, I kind of look at more of the technique of it. And like, oh, he, he's actually, like, he even gets the errors right. They talk about in Room 237, like the impossible hallways that shouldn't be there. Hmm. Like, he includes those. You can tell it's kind of an illusion. But, um, and so I'm kind of more into that. And just the fact they did it all, you know, whether it's successful or not, um, I, I guess I wouldn't call it safe, but that way. Okay shot those scenes he's basically sweating bullets because he just knows you know the legacy of doing that i do think the other stuff in the movie the more original stuff works better than that stuff oddly enough mm. i mean i think it's a mixed bag well they start with this same music yes the same shot of trees opening up but we're in florida in 1980 yeah so immediately you see a, a different little girl but we know that's 1980 the same year yeah that danny's over at the overlook right a little girl is also the little girl from the Haunting of Hill House. I didn't know that. And her name Wait, is... Which, uh, oh, so like the youngest girl? Yeah. Oh, crazy. I She's adorable. And her real name is Violet. Hmm. And the little girl's name in here is Violet. I wonder if that was like traumatic at all. That is the, the most unsubtle abduction I've ever seen. Like, I mean, <laughs> don't mind the, all these people coming to get you. I, so I love Rebecca Ferguson. Which I may have mixed up with Rebecca Hall on this ep- on this podcast before. I think I get them confused too. Yeah. Which I do love both of them. Rebecca Hall, she was the one who was in Parades End, and she's in The Prestige. She's great too. Rebecca Ferguson is great too. She was in The Greatest Showman. Talking about that again. Right, yeah. And she's in the Mission Impossible movies. <laughs> she sings she's, my favorite song, The Greatest Showman. And well, she doesn't really sing it, but and she's awesome. You just broke my heart. I'm so sorry. <laughs> who sings it? Someone, someone else. God, Probably never. someone ugly. And she is great in the Mission Impossible movies. Yeah, she's awesome in those, yeah. And so she, I love her in this. She's got that little bit of an Irish accent. Yeah, I think she's actually Irish, isn't she? Uh, yeah, I'm glad you said that. Cause she's, she's my favorite. Um, I mean, she's a little over the top. It's a little hammy. A little bit. But I mean, like... She's, uh, she's got a, a little bit of a ham sandwich going on there, but... <laughs> right. Um, I was listening to the Blank Check episode on the... They were doing their Oscars thing, and mm-hmm. Griffin Newman nominated her for Best Actress. <laughs> For this, it was I really love cute. Griffin. 
he said that you know who else plays the ultimate Stephen King villain as like a Stevie Nicks. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's yeah, her she's great. This her name is Rose the Hat, right. which I just cannot get over, and that is from the book. I just forgot that. There's so many funny names. Yeah, I mean, in the book, it's more, uh, and I did read the book, but it's been whenever it came out, seven eight, years, seven eight years ago, and the uh, the idea is that they're all sort of gypsy types and they're yeah, kind I of eccentric that. anyway but but if you can live forever you really want to live in a trailer park in georgia like that's well the they ultimate. travel across the they're, they're always traveling that's not really captured as much in the in the movie but the point on the rvs is they go from town to town and like they're just always on the road that sucks well that yeah but that's that's like their nomadic lifestyle it's just to carry on from like back in europe when they were you know like little gypsies traveling around and all right that conceit is a little bit lost in the movie, though, because they never really show them traveling. That's kind of interesting. I did notice that they filmed that in Stone Mountain. Did you know that? Yeah, it said Covington County. I was thinking little, the little square that they go to, I'm pretty sure I know where that is. Yeah, the whole thing is filmed in Georgia, and Haunting of Hill House was filmed in Georgia. Oh. I don't know why I'm not in these movies. What am I doing? You should be. I should be. Um, I mean, they cut to Danny. Right. That that famous scene that one of, was one of our favorite scenes and Julie's favorite scenes in the original Shining with the tracking shot of him. Right. And I, it was cool to see him after everything had happened. Yeah. And he was doing just great, wasn't he? He's doing okay. <laughs> but why would you ever, ever, after that, what happened at the Overlook, get up in the middle of the night to use the bathroom? I mean, well, had, I, you would hold it, right? Or well, you'd have he, a. He does pee himself. A, he does, but he gets up to go to the bathroom in the middle of the night. Anyway, and then it was crazy to see someone trying to be Shelley Duvall. I know. I, I, that was, that was, I love that, yeah. It's interesting, but I mean, Shelley Duvall is so unique. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess to see it as a. Um, I mean, he's obviously not trying to be a complete carbon copy of him. I mean, it's kind of this weird mix because the actress in this, and there's a little bit more of her in the director's cut, and yes, I watched the director's cut. Um, it actually, this is like maybe 20% stronger. I'm doing air quotes here mm-hmm. than the Shelley Vidal version of it. Mm-hmm. So it's like this hybrid between the book version and the movie version, but she looks like Shelley Vidal, which I mean, I mean, all that's kind of fascinating to me because I've. She does the voice too. She does, yeah, she does the voice. I almost wonder, like, do they use Shelley Vidal's voice for that? I mean, she had us practice that. Yeah. I'd probably watch it, and I thought that was really cool. But anyway, like, she's kind of emblematic of. Uh, what I think is interesting about the movie as a Stephen King fan, because it is a complete hybrid of the Kubrick thing and the the Stephen King version of it. Like he does kind of try and do that. And just how she's portrayed in it, which is, again, it's like, it's yeah, it's that image, more or less, of the Shelley Duvall version. But the way she acts in it is much more how you imagine her when reading the book, to me. Interesting. That is interesting. Which is, I mean, she's not in a lot, but it's a little bit more, comes out a little bit more in the director's cut because there's maybe two more scenes with her. Then we also see that he's still talking to Halloran, even though we know Halloran got an axe in the back. Yeah, and that's interesting because so in the book, you know, he survives. Oh. Right? So in the book of Daughter Sleep, and all that stuff at the beginning is pretty much, to my memory, very close but to the But was he still supposed to be alive in that scene when he was a kid? Or was he... Well, no, because he dies in... Oh, my God. So in the, in the movie, he dies in the Overlook. Yes. And that scene takes place after the Overlook, so he's supposed to be a ghost. Yes, okay. But in the, but book, in the book, he lives. In the book, yeah, he's just there. And in the book, they burn the hotel down at the end of the book. Right, and, he, and Halloran lives, and they escape together. So the only thing that's radically different, really, in the, in the to my memory way, is, uh, is the last half hour or so, you know, the whole presentation of the hotel. Which it's also interesting, just because I've watched 
the Haunting of Hill House so much. That's kind of the whole premise of that TV show. They have to go back to this place that they're haunted by yeah. in order to defeat it. Right. Which is kind of the same thing that they have to do. Yeah. And also this the character of Luke in Haunting of Hill House is very similar to Danny. Luke is the one who becomes a drug addict because he saw so many ghosts as a kid. Yeah, yeah and, that's true. Yeah. And you can't really blame him. Like, I mean, you can't blame Danny either. He already has alcoholism in his genes. And then he's gone through like all this shit, still seeing ghosts, having to lock them away. Yeah, I it's, mean, it's sad. I mean, and it's um, well. Let's do this. Let's talk about. So there's three sort of strands in the movie. There's the Danny strand. Mm-hmm. There's the Aber strand, and then there's the <laughs> the True Knot. <laughs> it's so crazy. I mean, it is. so this is the True Knot strand right now, and then they all kind of have their separate stories until they kind of meet halfway right. through. Um, which that's more that framework is a little more clear in the director's cut too. They even mm. have like chapters and stuff. It's kind of they do chapters like they do in the The Shining actually. Oh, um, okay, it's kind of cool. But in, I mean, I guess in The Shining it makes a little more sense because he's actually trying to write a book. Yeah, right. The True Knot. I guess we'll start with them. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, my favorite. I think it's just kind of fascinating, and you because know, I read the books, I was fully prepared for the kind of wackiness and all those. A lot of people that went and saw this movie are just expecting, okay, this is a Shining sequel. And then it's Rose the Hat and yes. like a, <laughs> The Crow. And oh, I love The Crow guy. Um, so what what did you think of that whole, you know, plot, I guess, their, their whole story? Like, how, Do you think they worked as villains? A lot of people don't. No, I thought it was more like kind of like young adult type villains. Like kind of remind me of like Twilight or something. I guess the thing about The Shining, the original Kubrick, is that it's it's one of the most adult movies to me. Like, it's one of the heaviest movies. Yeah. Like, it deals with isolation and abuse, terror, and that just wasn't in this movie. Like, it just seems silly. You think it seems silly? Not in a bad way. I enjoyed, like, I'll tell you, I enjoyed the whole thing. No, no, I get I never you, got yeah. bored. Yeah. Um, I, I liked the whole thing. But if you're trying to compare it, I mean, which you sh- I guess you shouldn't. You should look yeah. at it on its own thing. But but he it's kind just, of makes it un- inevitable that you compare it, so that's that's fair. Yeah. Okay, it's just I don't care about the what happens t- to the bad guys. I mean, I want them to be defeated. I guess yeah. I want the other guys to live. I guess I don't know. Yeah, I but like, there just wasn't that same like right. The Shining is just it's pure terror to yeah. me. I, I like more or less agree with that. And this has silly hats and they're vaping kids. I love the hats. <laughs> It's Monsters, Inc., right? They're taking the screams of children to power See, themselves. See, I, I saw someone say that on, on Twitter. I didn't quite get it. But now I, I finally watched Monsters, Inc. i never seen it. Oh. So I'm like, oh, okay, I get it. Uh, well, yeah, that's a, I love that movie. Yeah. And so and I was just kind of wondering, like, because in Monsters, Inc., then the whole thing is actually the kids' laughs is actually twice as powerful as the screams. And they uh, learned that. So I was wondering, like, someone should just tell them that. And then they could go around and tickle all the kids and get their laughs but I mean it really is it's Monsters Inc they keep them in canisters too yeah and, they, and then they put them into things to power their cities crazy um, so that's all I could think about I didn't, yeah that may, yeah. That, I did just yeah that, I didn't even think about that <laughs> that's fair counterpoint <laughs> I'm just gonna freely admit that I kind of more and more love this movie okay but it is a mess it is <laughs> it is all over the place it is totally oh drink <laughs> It is totally, and I'm drinking. I'm just want okay. to finish the sentence. Okay. You know, inconsistent at best. It is, you know, up and down, up and down. Gypsies. Oh no. <laughs> um, but that, the more, for some reason, all that just makes it more interesting to me. Um, but so the true nut, 
like I agree that like they the whole idea of them pales in comparison to the sort of um, like the shining is so primal, right? Mm-hmm. The whole thing, like it works on, like underneath the plot almost, it works on like uh, your subconscious yes. and like it's psychological, and the true not is very plotty, yes, and silly. Yes. Uh, but that said, there's a character named Rose the Hat, <laughs> and she wears a hat the whole movie, yes. and she's played by Rebecca Ferguson, yes. And there's uh, her best friend is called Crow Daddy, yes, and it's the guy from Fargo the TV show, mm-hmm. my favorite character. And they have dialogue about steam. <laughs> yes. Okay. So um, I'm going to love this movie. It's, it's like, that's my point. Okay. I mean, so I guess by him going, Mike Flanagan, rightly so, just goes full tilt into that. And it kind of makes it a little bit easier to not have to worry about, okay, well, they're not treating certain material as seriously as a shiny or something. That said, by the end of the movie, when you have, and one of the things that doesn't really work is when you have Rosa Hat show up at the overlook it's like whoa no <laughs> something's wrong <laughs> because the overlook is so austere and like all that imagery that's that classic Wait, Kubrick stuff yeah she walks in and sees the blood coming down the elevator. I did like that part and she's just like cool I know I and did walks like, on. I like that but okay. just her just her being there though <laughs> yeah. you, you see like okay it's like one of these things is not like the other you know right and that's when you that's where it fails a little bit I mean I still love it um, but I think uh, I think they're great characters. I don't know if they're sure if they're great like villains. If that makes sense, they're not terribly frightening. Um, well, yeah. So that again, at that scene, he goes up onto the roof to talk to Rose, and yeah. he says that they need another canister. Yeah. And he says the the world's not as steamy. I like that. And he says I don't, I don't know if it's Netflix right. or the diets <laughs> or cell phones, and it's just like, are we saying that kids aren't as special now because of this? Is there something more to that? I think I, I think it kind of goes into. And does it have to be a kid? But it's like you know, what she says. Well, that's just like saying you know people. What did she say? There's that's like that rumor that people used to be friendlier in the fifties. It's just like a urban legend. There's there's plenty of steam in the world. Um, steam. But yeah, what, but, what a, I I wouldn't have been a steamy kid. That's good to know. Well, I think it just means the. Shiny. I did think I had ESP for a while though. Oh, really? Because every time I thought that MTV was playing the music video November Rain, and I ran to the TV. Sometimes well, they, they were it was on. <laughs> the number one video of 1994. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and I'd be like, look. And then sometimes it'd be on. And well, I was know, like, every, yes. For a while, every time I would drive under a street light, the street light would turn on. Oh. And then I realized, oh, they have like sensors and it's like the moon off my car or something. Oh. Something I figured out. It was disappointing. True now, we have Rebecca the Hat, who again, no, I'm sorry, Rose the Hat, who is, uh, I guess, the leader. And uh, But then we have her best friend, Crow Daddy. And uh, we were introduced to Snakebite Andy mm-hmm. early on. What did you think about her? Um, too cutesy. And the thing with her, though, is like, okay, so she's all about abuse, right? So mm-hmm. she's been sexually abused or um, some for Actually, it's pretty explicit that she's been sexually abused. And she's, she's basically, her whole plot is basically revenge against the whole world for what's happened to her, right? Yeah, but she seems like she's doing it against bad guys. Kind of reminding me of the movie oh, well, Teeth. I, well, I mean, after she becomes part of the True Knot, oh. right? Like she basically takes a lot of anger and, and she, you know, abuses other people, right? Mm-hmm. So I'm wondering, like, you know, this whole movie to me seems like okay. So Danny is obviously a victim of abuse, and it's sort of, I mean, it's yeah. kind of a weird way to think about that, but he, he is, right? Mm-hmm. I wonder how much this movie is kind of about that, you know, just about the sort of, you know, because this whole movie is about legacies, right? And I don't, I don't mean to get too deep already. 
but you know it's about the legacy of the shining it's about the legacy of what happened there um and it's all about you know what happens to danny and how he you know what choices he makes with what's happened to him and how he what he does with that and how he helps other people right mm-hmm. i mean kind of like so like this whole journey is like you know taking all the bad stuff that happened to him and sort of redirecting that to help Abra, right? Mm-hmm. Who was a future victim. Which is a ridiculous name. Abra? Oh, Abra Kadabra. <laughs> right. Stephen King says he did not make that connection when he wrote it, but so Snakebite Andy, I'm not saying it's really right or wrong, but she basically takes all that bad stuff that happened to her and just does the same thing to other people, most mm-hmm. explicitly in the baseball kid scene, which we'll have to talk about, yeah. which is a child abuse scene. It just is. I mean, it's a murder. So she's hurting kids now? Does it make any sense? Because, like, Snake by Andy at the beginning, she was hurting gross men. And she wasn't even killing them, but she was letting them know that this is not right. And then she joins them, and then she starts killing kids. Right, well, that's what I mean. You're saying, like, that's the the choices that they make? Right. Well, I mean, also it seemed like there was some element of, like, drug addiction because, obviously, she had the fumes of the children and for some reason that was like yeah, a high obviously they like also, they grab things like yeah. they're having an orgasm but it's, yeah well yeah but it's portrayed very sexually so i see it all yeah they very, get horny after something it's very predatory and, and it's always children and so you link all that why does to, it have to be children because i think it's all thematic you know uh well it's, it's also i mean it's like a cautionary tale that you tell your kids don't go out into the woods because rose the hat's gonna get you and turn you into steam and that's where it gets a little bit silly i yes. think they can sense the shine yeah. they don't call it that they call it steam right and so they they focus on academy award nominee jacob trembley yeah i didn't know that was him the first time i saw it <laughs> which was crazy and i was like well surely he's gonna what he's gone <laughs> i guess like, he wanted to be in a horror movie <laughs> i don't know how they got him yeah and he just maybe he loved stephen king from age six to eight i don't know that was interesting because he just like showed up screamed a little bit and I thought he was going to get away or something, but no. no. Yeah, that that scene, that's the one scene from the book I definitely remember because it was so frightening. And I thought the movie was, was I mean, that's the, the kind of the most frightening scene for sure in the movie, I think, just when they... Yeah, it's it's disturbing. There's some people that think it's um, irresponsible to have that on film. Why? Because it's a torture of a child. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he's tortured. It's, yeah. it's, it's not just... I mean, usually you don't even kill kids on film, much less... I mean, it's pretty far. I mean, it's not really graphic or anything, but it's suggestive as all get out. Yeah, it's it's pretty scary, especially you know, when they start pushing on him to get the last little steam out yeah. of him. If you, if you look at some of the reviews on, like, I don't know, IMDb, Larry things like that, the negative ones always focus on that scene. And it's usually like, I've never seen something so irresponsible in the movie. <laughs> I, I mean, it's a movie the, about these people preying right, on children. Yeah. I think it's a great scene. It, it makes me very uncomfortable. But I, I do love that image of Rose the Hat. She kind of dances up to him a little bit. She, like, walks through the headlights of the of the RV, and she had, does this weird, like, Stevie Nicks dance before she gets... Hmm. It's really cool. Okay. And then she tortures him. Right. Um, so I guess we think it's okay. But um, so I guess we can talk about the Danny thread. Um, so Hugh McGregor mm-hmm. plays Dan Torrance as an adult. Right. Um, what do we think about Ewan in this? Oh, I, I love Ewan McGregor. I can't help it. I thought he was fine. I agree. I didn't think it was amazing. Right. One thing that occurs to me, Ewan's charisma is so much tied to whatever accent he's doing. That's true. Like he's so, his natural accent obviously is so charming. Right? Yes. Uh, and then think about his and Moulin Rouge. I guess he's what English, maybe mm-hmm. um, charming. Even like Obi Wan Kenobi, <laughs> charming. Drink. 
<laughs> but when he has to do an American accent, it's so somehow so he's like fifty percent flatter just oh, by nature. Oh, so I was what on in ER season four. Okay, I'm sorry, I'll drink. God, that's double drink. There's the episode when Carol is suspended and so she has the day off. And she goes into the liquor store that gets held up. Right, I remember. Do we talk about this on the pod? No, but I was just thinking about it recently. So Ewan McGregor plays the robber, and he is so Irish, and it is just amazing. His hair is, like, greasy and a little long. Yeah, I can't remember. And then him and Carol have, like, a connection. Oh, it's so good. Oh, so he does his his natural accent? Yes. um, Crazy. Like, I'm licking my lips. (laughs) Yeah, so so much of his like uh, on-screen sort of charm is tied to, you know, it doesn't have his natural accent, but he's usually doing some version of that. Yeah, he is just so handsome too, though. Yeah, but I mean, you just said we were watching it. You said I could get lost in those eyes. Well, yes, always. (laughs) Um, But I I just think he didn't want to overact. He definitely doesn't. I don't think he's bad at all. But I just I don't think think he's bad either. I I just think there's a certain. Certain missed opportunities, like just make it be fucking, Sc- just make me Scottish for some reason. I don't know. Is he Irish or Scottish? <laughs> I think he's Irish. Oh, oh he's Scottish. Are we Scottish? Yeah, okay. that's what I thought. I thought transpiring was Scottish. Um, yeah, yeah. So he's yeah, he's Scottish. Um, yeah, so so he's good, and he's very. Um, those few first few scenes are you know rough, but I think he does a. I mean, he's definitely the guy from the book for sure. I like how he doesn't like oversell the sort of depression and sadness. You, know, you kind of get it just in his face. You know, there's no like particularly long weepy scene or anything oh so here's um the original yeah. danny lloyd did you know that what the guy on the that's danny lloyd with a baseball cap what yeah on the right that's yeah. crazy yeah. so we were watching the baseball scene right and danny lloyd is playing one of the guys who's sitting in the bleachers yeah. watching the original um danny torrance okay so the first scene they show is danny in 2011 and he's throwing up in a toilet, very train spotting ish. Yeah, yeah. Waking up with a, a lady. He's having a hard time. Right. He looks Is she supposed to be dead? I was going to ask you the same thing. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, she he sees her ghost and the little boy's ghost, or the little kid's, the baby's ghost. Yeah, I mean, I, I, mean, I don't know if those were true ghosts or just his I know. own psychosis or whatever. But. I know. I really wanted to know. But then he pulls himself together. I guess he feels that he needs to go to, where does yeah. he go? Frazier? Well, yeah, Frazier, New Hampshire. Which is like, actually just somewhere in Covington County, Georgia, but okay. Uh, see, I, I, but that's where the girl's from, so... Or around oh, she's there. around there. So she, he feels drawn to her. Yeah, I, I guess okay. so. I guess so. Um, and um, well, he kind of just says, and this may be in director's cut. But he goes to the bus station. And goes, just take me wherever. He gives him some money. Hmm. Um, but yeah, I guess it's because that's where she is. I, I like that actor Cliff Curtis who plays yeah. his little buddy. It took me forever to recognize him, but he was in. Um, I know him from Fear the Walking Dead. Yeah, which yeah. I watched a little bit of, and then I stopped. But he was in the at least the first season. But yeah, he plays Billy, who's his sort of. AA buddy who he meets. Oh, at, you know who, what else he was in? Was like, Sunshine. Oh, okay. Yeah. That's what I remembered him from. Yeah, yeah I love his uh, apartment that he gets with a big. I love that apartment. Eighty-five dollars a week. Was yeah. it a week or a month? I think a week. Okay, and he had a big chalkboard oh, that here's he started. The torture scene. <laughs> that he started talking to. Yeah. Abra. We'll get back to Abra. Right. But I also like. I guess so. He goes to AA meeting and stuff, and I guess because. The Shining is so famous, and it's one of my favorite movies. Every time he was like, I'm Danny Torrance. I just want to be the... You mean like <laughs> like the kid in The Shining? <laughs> or like whenever he gets his AA chip, and he's like, this is to my dad, Jack Torrance. And, and they're like, like, here's Johnny. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they do like his catchphrase. Because it was just like so... 
that's just so famous to me. Yeah, that it's it kind of weird. weird. Like, this is a movie where the movie, this is the world where the shining doesn't exist. Right. Kind of, yeah. That's so sad. Yeah. What do they watch? They just had to live through it. Does Stanley Kubrick just not make that one? No, is he, there a Stephen King? Crazy, yeah. Oh, my goodness. But yeah, so he kind of gets things together. He does, he yeah. He gets a job as an orderly. They finally clean him up. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. I couldn't take it. Yeah. He was he, a mess. He becomes friends with a cat. They put him in a nice sweater. Yeah. His, see all his, the right his places. His wardrobe slightly mirrors Jack's in the original movie. Really? Yeah, it's, it's layered, but the, the colors are kind of the same. The, I, I remember he's wearing a flannel shirt one time. Yeah, but it's kind of like... It's somehow just flipped. I can't figure out why, but you'll see it. It's kind of... It works on a slightly subconscious level, too, but... And he works at a train. He works for a toy train. I don't understand what his job is. Well, he's also an orderly. Like, he works at the nursing home. Yeah, but before that, they say, what do you do? He goes, oh, I work a few shifts. A shift? <laughs> <laughs> what is a shift at a toy train? Like, do you, I don't know. Do he works open at, and close the door? He works at Teeny Town? <laughs> what, does he just go around and dust it off? And this will tie to our true crime later. Is it a Teeny Town true crime? Hint. Hopefully, I wish. Uh. Um, but no, he works as an orderly oh, okay. in like a retirement community or a oh, hospital. Cool. Yeah. And he has a little ghost cat friend. He's, he's not a ghost, but he's... Yeah. Oh, Asriel. That's the name of the cat? Yeah, I looked it up. He calls him Azzy, but it's short for Asriel, which mm-hmm. is short for Asriel, which means in Hebrew, it means the angel of death. Oh, perfect yeah. for my true crime. Yeah. But the cat is beautiful. Yeah, it is a cute I cat. I want that cat. And so I guess he catches on that the cat can tell... Yeah, and so and, and so Danny himself, either through the cat or just through the shining, is able to tell as well. So he becomes this sort of helper that helps people sort of pass on in, I guess, kind of a peaceful way. I thought that was one of the most interesting parts of the movie. Yeah. And that wasn't really Develop, much. Yeah, there's a lot more of that in the book. Yeah. And also, that's how he gets the moniker Dr. Sleep, right. the title of the book, but then that's not really. But you realize, like, they call him Doc in the ki- in, you know, when he's a kid. That's true. So Doc, Doctor... I, I can see a little spinoff with him and the cat. That'd be great. That would be cool, yeah. Um, but there is a lot about sleep in the movie, too, and I can't quite figure out what that's supposed to be about. Because she's, you know, you know, Snakebite Andy is always saying, like, you know, go to sleep and this yes. type of thing. And, and at one point she tells Danny to go to sleep, but I wanted him to, like, pretend and then go, I'm Dr. Sleep, bitch, <laughs> and then, like, punch her in the face. Right. It is interesting, though. They, they could have just called this The Shining resurrection or something and made 10 million, 10 million more dollars <laughs> to the box office the shining uh, resurrection or you know something yeah more obvious but when jacob tremblay gets murdered abra sees that yeah and that's whenever she spells that's when he sees the red rum and right because he's looking the murder so she's just sending him messages that says murder yes um that's really cool yeah baseball I boy love that. the whole sequence is so cool just it's really them, good them all figuring each other out and yeah Abra always gets excited because she, you know, senses Abra. Yeah, so let's go back and now we'll talk about Abra's storyline. Okay. So it starts with her as a little girl. Right. At her birthday party. Whose dad is a what? Snack. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know. I almost said doctor. <laughs> no, correct answer is snack. <laughs> he doesn't make it, though. That bummed me out. He's so handsome. I'm sorry. He is a handsome man. He's a very handsome man. Um, and so she starts doing tricks kind of reminded me of Lost. Oh, gosh. I got it. Don't worry. De- definitely um, reminiscent of Walt, a little boy with powers that the parents don't quite know what to do with. Yeah. Which they don't develop on Lost, but we don't have to get into that. Um, well, there was that weird six-minute He had powers, program. and then he was kidnapped. Yeah. And then that was it. Well, he, he, he came he, back later. The kid hit puberty is what really happened. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> they can't figure out what to do. Why is he six foot tall? So Abra 
has powers. She knows she has powers. Yeah. And she starts somehow talking to Danny to the chalkboard. Right. I like I like that scene when she first does it and he answers and she kind of giggles. Yeah. I thought that was really cute. Yeah. And later when they finally meet, she says that she thought that he was her imaginary friend, which is cute. Yeah. And he's because he says Tony was what he called his powers. Right, he right. Didn't, he wasn't actually talking to anybody, though. Made him sound a little crazy. Yeah, I don't quite get that. This doesn't quite track. But anyway, go ahead, yeah. She somehow senses Jacob Tremblay's murder. And yeah. she, she somehow, uh, she has the power to appear places, I guess. Right. Yeah. Which is something that didn't know that she was powerful enough to do. Yeah, it seems and like so, she has kind of a multitude of, it's yes. not just the shining. It's like, you know. It's kind of like Elsa. Elsa can, can control ice and snow, but she can also make awesome gowns. Yeah. And she can also make. Uh, inanimate objects alive. Yeah, I mean, don't it's know. like that There's line no from limit. South Park. Like, she's basically Keanu Reeves. <laughs> <laughs> she's figuring out what's happening and she's trying to get Danny to help on her. On board, yeah, yeah. So she actually tracks him down. She gets on a bus and goes and meets him. Yeah, and he is rightly so like, look, we cannot, this Wait, looks hey, bad. That goes back to your your abuse theory. Yeah, yeah. That Yeah, he's, he's like, look, I'm a grown man, you're a teenage girl, yeah. we can't hang out. You know, she is so sort of innocent at the beginning of the movie that she that that obviously doesn't really register with her. Um, but I do oh, yeah. like I like any movie where people are just damaged. <laughs> but by the end of the movie, she is so like a different character. I think that's kind of cool. Like she's much I don't want to say darker because that sounds silly, but well, she's gone through a lot. Yeah, her dad gets stabbed. Yeah. Okay, so so then she has this connection with Rose. Can we talk about Rose the Hat shopping at Whole Grocery Foods? Grocery shopping. I love it. What? <laughs> she That's, has her cute little list. She has a list. I, so, I, I, mean, I love it. Look at her hat. It's so uncool. I, that's what's so cool about it. It's so pedestrian. You want to see Jason Voorhees paying bills? Kind of. <laughs> <laughs> that's. I mean, I think that's what's so funny about it. It's so mundane and so weird. It's not even really supposed to be that scary. It just. And she's like, oh, shit. Crow Daddy wanted those <laughs> Milla wafers. And she's just rocking it. I mean, but yeah. So somehow her and Abra connect, and there's, it's, I guess it's a really big deal that Abra has the power to push her away. Yeah, I guess the idea is that that's never happened before. Right, and, all, and we don't know how long she's lived, but it's been a long time. Yeah, they suggest it's been at least a thousand years or something. They, they yeah, they're like vampires. Yeah, they are. They are literally vampires, really, just without the blood sucking. Yeah. The only thing about the Abra storyline that I think to me suffers a little bit is that you know by this point in 2019, 20. The whole psychic kid thing, I mean, it's, I mean, it's so overdone. Like, I mean, with, with X-Men. Right. And like it ne- it's never. There's like a couple other shows. There's a show on Hulu right now. that right. has a bunch of kids standing there like they're superheroes. Yeah. And, and I get it. Like, okay, you're doing a sequel to Shining. So yeah, there's a psychic kid, but it can never quite be that interesting. I mean, I think she's, a, you know, she's, she's a, I like that actress and she's a, a good character and she's funny, but it, that her like those scenes were like the forks are on the ceiling and mm-hmm. it's just like okay well that's really not that frightening <laughs> it's not that interesting <laughs> well it'd be frightening if you were the parents i guess yeah but there's like how many episodes of x files like that i, I mean, know. it was like 20 years ago <laughs> yeah. uh, so it's like i mean yeah we can just establish she's a shining and not kind of go through that whole right of it all like yeah. that's kind of where i think the movie suffers a little bit and i think that's kind of what you're talking about where it's a little bit silly it's like well yeah she's of course that happens she has a shining yeah Ewan's very uh, seems very patient with this, you know, young version of him. Mm-hmm. Well, um, when one of the best scenes is when Rose the Hat does like the astral plane. Oh my god, that is so good. Yeah, that's really cool. Yeah, in the, I will say in the in the theater that was really cool because it was in the you know it's kind of a quiet movie if you really think about it. There's yeah. not a lot of 
booms and it's the type of movie where you're watching you can hear like Jurassic Park next door or whatever like right. it's always overwhelming you right. but yes so so she goes up into the sky which I mean okay that's a pretty cool trick if you could fly like yeah, that but I guess it's in her head yeah I guess she's yeah because she's still projecting the, herself she's still in the camper yeah but the way it's shot it's very surreal and yeah um there's not like a lot of music you just hear for the wind it's cool yeah it kind of reminds me of the, you know, from Superman 1 when they when he Lewis Lang go mm-hmm she ends up in her room. Yeah. And she can see her sleeping. And then she has all these drawers. Yeah. Which... The memory palace, whatever she calls it. Yeah. Which uh, like, reminded me of Inside Out. This is just a Pixar movie, isn't it? <laughs> Where you have all your memories. And she had, like, one labeled piano. Yeah. I, I like couldn't the, quite read what they said. I, I know. I couldn't see any others. But I was wondering, like, what mine would be. <laughs> just, like, all these files of serial killers. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear God. <laughs> Here's There's one. also that scene where Abra goes to school and she's Googling, like, you know, murder. Right. And I thought, Kristen. <laughs> oh, look, there he is working on the train. Yeah. Such hard work. Got a shift. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think that shift is, like, 12 to 1230? <laughs> <laughs> Those scenes, to me, are so much more interesting and cool than, in a way, when he tries to duplicate right. the literal shining stuff, yeah. which I like. Although the, la- the scene where it's him and his mom at the end does make me a little bit weepy. Like that stuff. Oh works. yeah, the emotional stuff works. Yeah, but the sort of mechanics. You're right. Right. The emotional stuff does work. Yeah, that's a good point that I didn't think about. Because that's I, Mike Flanagan for sure. Yeah, he's good at that. The director's cut actually, I think all the new stuff is just more stuff like that. There's more stuff kind of sprinkled throughout the movie of like flashbacks when he was a kid, and like there's this whole scene that's very sad about how his mom Wendy just had to stop looking at him because he would remind him of her Aww. of Jack, and and so in the bar scene he tells that story about how she couldn't look at me more but it's they actually show that and the, the, the director is kind of it's very sad so the last scene when she that, that's kind of the point of it she's looking directly in his eyes yeah. and they, yeah, i started crying <laughs> oh when the, and he says in the movie that she passed away when he was 20 yeah yeah she dies of cancer or something mm. I think. well so abra tries to get him to help her and yeah. she needs the glove and he's like why and then halloran comes back to him and, yeah. and tells him this is the last time i'm gonna see you and he kicks him on the butt and tells him you got to do this. Yeah. So he goes and gets his friend, Cliff Curtis. I don't know, whatever Billy, his name yeah, is. Um, because he kind of feels like he maybe has like a bit of a shine. Danny says to Abra that there's people who know they have shine. Right. And there's a lot of people who don't know it. Oh, right, right. That buy flowers for their wives. Yeah. Or they're sad. And so type, I think yeah. she, he kind of thinks that maybe oh, yeah. his friend Billy has that. Yeah. But yeah. doesn't realize it. He can see things in people. That maybe others can't. Yeah, I didn't think and, about that. That's cool. And yeah. so he takes Billy with him for just the worst road trip. Yeah. He talks, I mean, Danny talks to an imaginary girl in the back of the seat the whole way there. <laughs> See, and then that they dig scene, up a dead me, boy. That scene to me is completely, like, purposeless. You, you just don't need to show that. They. What's the point of it? They go all the way across the country to dig up the kid. We, like, we as the audience already know the kid is dead. He needed the, she needed the glove to be able to attract the next so guy. what? They, they find her anyway. Like, it works. Like, that's the type of thing. That, They're like, coming to find her. I yeah, know. So, so what's the point? I don't know. I thought it was kind of silly because the little girl says, is this guy your friend? And he says, yeah, he's my friend. Maybe Might my be my best friend. <laughs> <laughs> like, how fucking old are you? First of all, you don't have any other friends. <laughs> except Teeny Town. He's your AA partner is what he is. <laughs> he's your sponsor. <laughs> Maybe my best friend. Yeah. Okay. I that kind of freaks me out when I think too much about if you had telepathy, you could hear other people's thoughts. I mean, like the things you would hear. Yeah. 
It, you could not be a normal person. What was that scene where she's listening to her friends at school and they're like, what is she looking at? <laughs> but it's, and why would you not use that to become an FBI agent and solve crimes? That's what I would do. Or if you could make yourself appear anywhere, you could be anywhere. Just I would be in Chris Patrick Evans' Wilson's bathroom. This <laughs> 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 <His> bathroom. <laughs> We're on the same page, at least. Well, one of them is somehow scarier than the other, though. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, this is good. That's one of the best things I've ever had. <laughs> so then they have a plan. They yes. get everybody together. They get a bunch of guns. Yeah. They, she does a trick. A magic trick? And she makes herself, the stuffed animal, appear to be her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was cool, yeah. And then there's a big shootout. Yeah. And apparently they just can get, they can just die. Yeah. There's no silver bullet needed or... Oh, yeah. yeah, Rosa has that line. She goes, well, I said you live a long time, but that's only if you live or something like that. Right, I said you could live a long time, but who said anything about you being immortal? Right, right. Yeah, Yeah. that was kind of cool. So they get most of them. So Billy doesn't make it. No, he doesn't. Which is really sad. I mean, Dan tries to warn him to stay away from her. Yeah, and that's sort of the ultimate sort of cynical move on Snake by Andy's part is like kill yourself. You know, just even when she's already dead and there's no hope for her, she yeah. still has to get do the most cruel thing imaginable. And she's only fifteen. I know. So that well, kinda... by that point, I guess she's twenty five because it's like ten years later or something. But yeah, so um, she stays at the house. Uh, you know, during the shootout with her dad. Yes, they think she's there. But unbeknownst to the heroes, you know, Crow Daddy, smartly, just goes straight to her house. Maybe right. maybe either predicting or just thinking that maybe she'll be there or something. And so he, like, you know, sneaks up behind her. It's very scary. Puts the hypodermic needle in her neck. Yeah. And takes it away. But then there's this long, and this is actually one of my favorite scenes, is the scene between Crow Daddy and Abra slash Hugh McGregor <laughs> in right. the backseat of the right. car. Where there's that long dialogue scene and that guy's such a good actor he's so he interesting is. looking i just want to find every movie he's been in he's, he's just always such a surprise like, oh it's that guy and he's always great so there's that scene where and it kind of gets in this weird kind of where things get really cynical almost is uh he just has this whole long dialogue this almost soliloquy about you know boy wasn't that just a waste of time like all this was going to happen anyway we were always going to get you um most of your friends are dead most of my friends are dead what a waste and now you're here and he's talking to Abra. Abra or Abra or at that point he's just talking to Abra, and he just keeps saying like you know um, he kept saying the outcome doesn't change, the outcome doesn't change, and and I think that's kind of when she goes from being well of course obviously her father has died, but everything after that scene she's suddenly a little bit more you know a little more of a darker character. Sure. Which is weird to say because she's like a psychic <laughs> badass. <laughs> of course, there's a scene where she watches Crow Daddy die, and she just stares yeah. at him. I, just, it, I think she says something I bet that hurts. Yeah, yeah. And it's like, ooh, I don't know if the Abra from the first half of the movie would have said that. Right. Um, and, of course, there's also the cool scene where Danny takes over Abra's body. Yeah. And then they have that other conversation. Mm-hmm. And my favorite part about it, and this is why I think Mike Flanagan is such a great writer. Like, they don't play it up as, like, dun-dun-dun. Like, Crowday just kind of figures it out. And he yeah. goes, he's like, oh, well, who are you? Like, yes. He just kind of knows that, like, well, it's a psychic <laughs> Somehow someone's possessed this body, and he just has another conversation with him. Yeah. And that girl plays that really well, too. Yeah. And then they get her back. And he Well, he gets her back, better. so everybody else is dead. Yeah. And they go to the Overlook. Yes. Again, they're driving from where to Colorado. Yeah. It's a lot it of must driving. must take a while, yeah. yeah. 
Uh, well, it's two half-hour movie. So. I wish I would have seen them get snacks or something. But well, they stop at that gas station. They do, yeah. Well, she's like, where are we going? Uh, and he's like, well, remember that terrible place I told you about <laughs> that's really bad for people exactly like us? And she's like, we're going there. And he says, well, yeah, if it's bad for us, it's probably bad for them, too, which I don't quite get that logic, but, you know, you just kind of go with it. Yeah. It's bad for everybody, I suppose. Well, and then when they get there, she stays in the car, and this is also... Reminds me of Haunting of Hill House when he walks back in. Oh, yeah. He wakes and, it up, yeah. And he, yeah, he walks around and he goes back into the boiler room, like where we see, saw his mom. Yeah. She'd be in there checking things. And it's like well, really... and also what you had pointed out earlier that I don't think we talked about was when he goes into the office of his AA yeah. leader. It's the exact same yeah, office. exact same office. That's exact same office that Jack Nicholson goes into right. when he has the job interview. And so I don't know what other things... Like, that one to me is pretty noticeable, but I'm sure there's other That's things throughout the movie that I, that I missed. But I like the scene of him waking up the hotel. It's very, very cool. A very meditative movie, and it's a very quiet movie. It's kind of funny that they you know, spend two hours just to get to the hotel, and they spend another 15 minutes and just walking through it. <laughs> so is, is something to do with having the shine so that all the negative things are attracted to you, too? Like all these ghosts that live in the Overlook Hotel, yeah, they glom onto Danny because he has the shine. I think it's more like he almost operates like as a battery or something. Like, are, are the ghosts in the Overlook Hotel the that, same as Rosie the Hat and all that? No, I mean he kind of says they're they're like that. Hmm. You know, they're different creatures. If that makes sense. Okay, yeah, but, he, but he's the, locked them up there. Yeah, he's locked them up. Um, Whenever he sits down at the bar, like, it really slows, like, okay, I got excited. Yeah, that seems awesome. And then he sits down, and it's like, is Lloyd going to be there? And then when you find out that Lloyd is actually his dad. And also, that's another thing that Mike Flanagan does. Just like in that one scene with Crow Daddy talking to Abra, there's not, there's had to be a dun-dun-dun. It's just, he, he just knows, no, you're my dad. Yeah. He's not, there's no big shocker. And then it's Henry Thomas playing Jack Nicholson. I know, I, and I did Nicholson. not get that when I first saw it. I, I, uh, I noticed it. I didn't notice it's it at interesting. all. interesting. Yeah. Mike Flanagan talks about that a lot in the podcast. Okay. Because he, uh, Henry Thomas was like, I'm not fucking doing that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but he. I bet. Because he was terrified. And then, and then Mike said, look, you. He didn't play him as like Jack right. Nicholson. That's, and that's kind of what he talks about. He okay. made this decision. He's like, look, I can do Jack Nicholson. I can do something else but he says if you're brave enough in this movie and I think this is around the time they're doing Hill House mm-hmm. so they were kind of talking about this stuff anyway and he knew he was doing it and he's like look I'll, I'll do it for you and like you know this will be a huge risk for me why not and apparently Jack Nicholson you know gave him his blessings like yes I don't give a shit because <laughs> um, <laughs> Jack Nicholson they, they did apparently consider doing something like that like de-aging him or something mm-hmm. like the Irishman or whatever yeah but apparently Jack Nicholson he's just, he's just fully retired at this point much less is he, is he going to go back and do right that. his most famous character yeah yeah again i thought it was just it was kind of subtle yeah he didn't try to do a jack nicholson impression no not at all there's a few things where he kind of goes in and out of some of the you know cadences but not but not really you know he it's more the look and the and just to recreate the scene that's so famous from the other one but yeah. have it be a little different i did love all that yeah and it gets back to like you know you've always been the caretaker here no i'm not you know that type of thing yeah and, and so he's sort of trapped there but doesn't maybe quite know who he even is yeah and then he doesn't take the drink he doesn't take the drink so in the director's cut right after that scene i don't know if it, jack knocks the drink off or something and it spills on you mcgregor so he takes him to the red bathroom oh and i can't believe that one in the original movie how can that not be in the original movie it is so good it's like I, that's I mean, gonna be my next miniature 
the yeah, red bathroom. Yeah, it is really cool. And they, they frame it the exact same way. So Jack Torrance, or Henry Thomas, he's actually dressed more as Grady the Butler in that scene. He's dressed mm-hmm. in the, the tux or whatever. Right. Uh, but that whole scene, yeah, that's like the centerpiece of the movie to me. Then he unleashes, he lets everybody out. Yeah. And they all attack Rose. And yeah. it's like, okay. And then they get him, and he becomes his dad. Right. With the axe and everything. But see, that bugs me a little bit because, like, he already had closure with his dad through the bartender scene. So by him becoming his dad, that kind of negates know. that. You yeah. Know? It seemed kind of, like, that kind of seemed kind of cheap to me. That seemed like, well, me too. he has to be the axe guy. Right. And it doesn't also make much sense. I guess that is he locks all those ghosts and they do that to him. But how does that work? It, is, it just doesn't make any sense. I mean, I guess he needed closure with Abra, I guess. But he could have had closure with Abra. After he had died, he yeah. could come and see her. Yeah. Well, what, what they're doing, though, is they're they're taking the scene from the original book, The Shining Book. Like that, Abra versus Hugh McGregor, that's the same dialogue from the book as Danny and Jack. Like, okay. You know, like he, you're talking about you were just wearing a mask. It's the stuff they cut out of the movie. Mm-hmm. And, you know, about, oh, you know, you forgot the boiler, all that stuff. That's from the original book. So it's kind of basically oh, okay, taking the, an ending from the original book and putting it back on the screen just with different... So that's kind of interesting. That is interesting. But as far as the plot goes, it doesn't quite jive with what's happening. Mm-hmm. There's no real reason for him to go insane. Like the ghosts don't do Make that. Make you go insane, yeah. Yeah, but, I mean, Jack goes insane because the hotel operates him all winter and he's an alcoholic. Right. But, well, also, like, Jack Torrance was already an right. alcoholic. He was already abusive. Yeah. He was already hurting Danny yeah. and his wife. Shelley Duvall and the little boy were already scared of him on some level. Abra was never scared of Dan. I don't like the part either where they trap Rose in the snow maze. Oh. It's cool looking, but it, it just, I feel like it's five minutes of just... Too much. Well, so then they defeat her. They defeat her, yeah. And, and then, Abra yeah. gets out, and the... Hotel explodes. Yes, he goes And then they have to... the great scene you talked about with... Yes, it's so sad, yeah. Yeah, with Danny and his mom looking yeah. at each other. thought at first he was still alive, and I was like, that's a little... What is this? Yeah. A young adult movie? But then it turns out that he just... He's able to live on with that, which is pretty cool. And I like that she also apparently is able to either talk to her dad or know her dad's okay. Yeah. That was that was sweet. Yeah, that last scene's cool, and I like how they um she goes into the bathroom with the dead naked yes. woman. Um, in the same way that Danny did. So she's yeah. going to lock but, her up? Well, but there's also a slight weirdness, too. It's like, what is she doing? Because, you know, she again, she's a little bit of a slightly creepier, darker character by this point. And she has this kind of weird smile on her face. So it's like, is she, you know, is she doing something? What is happening? I don't know. Maybe is she joining them? <laughs> I mean, I think she's somehow just, the idea is she's confronting them and living her well, life. It's the same scene that Danny had where right. he went into the bathroom and locked her Right. Up. But it's... It's a little ambiguous at best, especially when you have the music. Even though the hotel blew up, all those ghosts are still following Abra? Yeah, but, well, because they showed they were following Danny even, you know, when he was in Florida. Yeah. Meaning, you know, again, it's all metaphor. Your, your past comes after you, that type of thing. But Because, again, that music at the end, which is the same music as the end of the first movie, which yeah. to me just signals, like, ambiguity because it's, like, the most famous, like, what the fuck shot all time? Like, what, he's in the picture? <laughs> mm-hmm. So it's kind of like, what, she's going to the bath? You know, I don't know. Interesting. That was interesting that they didn't end it with a sort of a what the fuck more like with the picture. Or, right, right. Hmm. I mean, I guess the cheesiest thing would be like <laughs> the picture was him was like you and McGregor and Jack Nicholson both in the picture now. They're both <laughs> hanging yeah. out at the party. Right. <laughs> Abra's there. <laughs> <Whiskey>. <laughs> Cr- 
Brody Patty's there. Yeah, Rose Rose there. <laughs> <laughs> okay, now that would actually be pretty cool yes. if they were all partying together. <laughs> yeah. It's a massive movie. I, 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 it is, but I, the more I watch it, and the more I kind of figure out why. Okay, there's there's method to the madness. Put it that way. Like it's not quite as a mess as I kind of think it is. Like it's, there's definitely like parallel themes and like. You want to know what my one sentence review was that I wrote when I was over? Okay. <laughs> it was a very enjoyable TNT miniseries. That's what it felt like to me. It is kind of miniseries. Like, well, you should see the director's cut then. Okay, but I like I said, I was never bored. I I enjoyed it. Okay, so that's um, Doctor Sleep. Sleep. Um, let us know if you have a. I figure it's a pretty polarizing movie to the extent people have seen it. So I'm I'm curious what people's thoughts are. Yeah, let us know if we missed anything or if there's anything you wanted to add. Let us know where you would appear if you could appear anywhere. Yes. Whose bedroom would you appear <laughs> his, in? His bathroom. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> his bathroom or closet? All in those two places. <laughs> And then, of course, tune in next week. Yes. We're going to have our true crime. Right. I'm very excited about it. I think it's a good one. And until then, please go on and rate and review, subscribe, follow us on our social media. Um, I've been trying to do more Instagram stuff so you guys can follow us on there. You can comment on there to us and we'll talk back because we don't have much else going on social media wise. All right. Well, thanks. And bye. Good night.